0: Welcome to the Maritime Vision Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Rioli. In each episode, we bring you exclusive interviews with maritime professionals, industry experts, and students. Our guests come from different backgrounds, including shipping, yachting, offshore, and more. Our goal is to give you all the knowledge you need to succeed in the maritime industry. Hello everyone, welcome back to a new podcast episode and today we are with Pierre. Uh, Pierre is a young LNG shipbroker and analyst working for Clarkson in London. In this interview, we'll, I will give you a brief in- introduction to shipbroking. Pierre will talk about uh, his path, his journey uh, in, in the shipping and the shipbroking industry. So welcome Pierre, it's a pleasure to having you today. How are you today?
1: Hello, Paul Louis. Thank you so much for having me on this. Uh, you know, from, from what I heard to be the, the up and coming, uh, tipping <laughs> podcast. Uh, so it's, it's a real pleasure. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm doing perfectly fine today. Uh, how about yourself?
0: Right. Yes. I'm doing the same. The weather is not so good, but, uh, I'm, I'm doing fine. <laughs> and I would like to ask you the first question, which is, can you introduce yourself, please?
1: Yes, of course. So, um, so my name is Pierre Portrinal. I'm a, a shipbroker and a commercial analyst at Clarkson's LNG, uh, on the chartering side. So I started, uh, four months ago, uh, sorry, 14 months ago. So, uh, brief, but, uh, but sweet, uh, <laughs> after finishing my master's in uh, shipping trade and finance at Bayes Business School. Okay. So, okay. so that's that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I know this business school in London. I I've talked with many people <clears> doing this master, which is a very good master. So it's nice you did this. So many people who listen to my podcast did this school. Yeah, well, uh, no, no,
1: shout, shout out to uh, to the Bayes uh, <laughs> alumni. It's it's uh, you opened the door to me for for a lot of the shipping sites. Uh, for for a little it for a story, like before going to Bayes, I was doing a, a, you know. A, a BA in, in Arabic and Middle Eastern studies, you know, oh, so complete, wow. complete difference. Yeah. And i like, uh, limited numerical skills and I knew nothing about shipping. And it oh, got, oh. really got me up to speed.
0: Why, why did you choose the, the shipping industry? So,
1: well, you know, um, so it was, I finished my BA bang in the of COVID and it was a bit of a rogue, uh, BA to choose, right? Arabic and Middle Eastern studies, quite specific. But I was super interested in international relations, but wanted to do business. Uh, and I thought the middle ground was the commodity and the shipping side. So when I heard about this shipping industry, which is quite under the radar for most laymen, uh, I, I, I thought this, this was the one and, uh, had a shot at it. Wow. And here, nice. here we are. <laughs> so, so here you go.
0: Yeah. Okay. For sure. For sure. You, you have a very good position and, uh... It's very interesting shipbroking. We're going to talk about it anyway. Um, so maybe can you s- explain what is ship uh, the role of a shipbroker? What is that, And especially in the charter side? Uh, uh, can you talk about it, please, Pierre?
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean that's a good question, you know. Because, for example, when you're a ship owner, you, know, you look to find employment for your ship at the highest rate. Yeah. You know? When you're charter, you look to move a cargo from A to B. At the lowest cost. So you have a mission, a concrete thing to do, something to move. And as a shipbroker, you should have a phone and a computer. And you sort of thrown in between the two and try to make things happen. So essentially you're 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 the middleman that takes the start of an idea into an official transaction. Okay. Uh and there's a lot of you know work to get there. And so this is done by, you know, negotiations, managing counterparts, market expertise, and also must have been a bit of luck in there as well.
0: Yeah. Wow. I imagine the network is a big, uh, it's very important, actually, because you need to know ship owners. uh, You need to know many people in the industry to to make things happen, to fix the contract. Exactly
1: exactly, and we, we can talk on, on this later on, but the the network and your relationships and your understanding of each player's needs at a certain time in space is what makes it happen you mm-hmm. know is is packaging an information to someone to make him understand and 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 then you can you know so build the groundwork for a deal and then make it happen so indeed I mean. Networking in the whole shipping industry as a whole uh, is extremely important, and uh, in the shipbroking sides, it's the uh, it's the bread and butter really.
0: Okay. Well, with what kind of customer are you working on? I mean, uh, <clears throat> is it uh, like what kind of ships actually? On what kind of market? <clears throat> okay. So
1: I uh, specialize in uh, in LNG, um, and yeah, so the LNG market is um, these very large vessels that carry liquefied natural gas. So it's it's natural gas compressed to a uh, uh, six hundredth, okay, uh, of its uh, of itself, and it's at one hundred sixty degrees, uh, minus one hundred sixty degrees Celsius. It has to be kept that way. So these ships are quite complex. They're very expensive. Uh, and yeah, so, so that's, uh, that's where I I work on basically. And, uh, I mainly deal with charters because in the energy market what's interesting is that as a ship owner, because the the ships are so expensive to build, they're currently 260 million to build. Uh, you will not buy or construct a ship to play on the spot market. It's too dangerous. You know, Mm -hmm. the bank won't lend you the money for it, you know? So the ship owners have these sh- uh, ships on very long-term charters, 10, 20 years. And then it's the, the charterers that would then go and re-let the ships out. Should they have a, uh, gap? You know, should the cargo be canceled or have the ship open for two months? Or, uh, if, uh, you know, for example, a project is delayed, have the ship open mm. for one year. Uh, and this is the spot market I deal with is in between charters. <laughs> but okay. which what makes it difficult is that so the disponent ship owner, which is technically a charterer, showing a ship, and the charterer itself are playing on the same market, the gas market. So mm. when uh, demand goes up for gas, demand for shipping goes up. You know? And so when say today a lot of ships to, on the offer tomorrow all the ships on the offer maybe all the players showing the ship maybe on the bids so it goes mm. the same direction very quickly and we see it quite a volatile market that way okay. um and yeah and also in the lng if you're a little story it's been a bit of a hot commodity lately uh as you saw uh the as after russia invaded ukraine um you know, all the pipeline gas flow from Russia into Europe, uh, was interrupted. And so Europe has to, had to find gas produced overseas, uh, yeah. which needs shipping to lift it and, and, and carry it into Europe. Um, and, you know, that's, that's the, the big challenge. And we, that's what we saw rates last winter going through records, records numbers, you know, talking about 800,000 a day. So that's the thing about shipping as well is, demand is elastic, it can come at Mm. any point, but the supply of ships isn't, it's that gap, you know? Because today, Mm. if you want to build a ship, say the demand for shipping goes up, you need more ships. If you want to add more ships to the fleet today, the latest or the earliest delivery you can have is uh, in late 2027 or early 2028. So you see mm-hmm. that by the time the supply of ships matches the surge in demands, you know, a ships you need the guys because the ship is like yeah, but well, I need a lot of money to get it out because there's a lot of demand for it. Yeah. Um. So 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 yeah, so I've been dealing with that um this LNG uh, chartering sector.
0: Okay, very interesting. Quite specific, actually. And, uh, with who are you working? I mean, you you mentioned the ship uh, owner, the charter uh, manager. What with which stakeholders are you working on? Yeah.
1: So I deal myself primarily because I do so short to mid term with uh, the charters, the commercial teams of the charters. So it can be majors, it can be traders. Mm. Uh, or just utilities in general. Uh, and so that's all I deal with, you know? Um, you could be saying, oh, what about the operational team, et cetera? I think it's the charter which will liaise with the operational team within its company to see right. if what they can show, what they want can actually happen, you know, which most of the time probably wants. you know, it, with probably 10,000 ifs and buts, yeah. So let's say, let's say, oh yeah, I can show you a ship for six months and you've got the operational team behind saying, okay, making sure you can. But these are the main, the main stakeholder to deal with. But if you look at uh, other, or some of my colleagues that look at longer term, they would be speaking with, uh, with ship owner. Uh, and it'd okay. be for long term charter, three, five, 10 years.
0: Okay, so you have the two contracts. You have the voyage charter, the time charter. Are you dealing with all these uh, different contracts? <clears throat> yes,
1: yeah, so in the LNG market, it's, it's primarily and, and only actually uh, time charters. Okay. So that's it. Okay. So it's only time charters uh, and it's usually based on a structure with uh, on a round-trip structure. So let's say you do a voyage between US Gulf to Northwest Europe, you would pay the ship, you know, delivery in US Gulf. So you pay the headline rates to Europe, and then you would pay an equivalent headline rate for the ship to get back to the US Gulf. Mm. So a 15 day voyage from US Gulf to Europe would cost you a 30 day voyage, essentially.
0: Oh, but why is it like that?
1: Well, it also depends on the strength of the market. So that structure is what we see most of the time. But say it's uh, a charter's market, there's ships mm-hmm. all around, there's too many ships to go. Uh, the charter is like, actually, I don't want to pay that structure. I just want to pay the 15 days with no ballast bonus, as we call it. And then if the ship, the owner has no other choice, he's going to take it. And on the other end, so that's what we saw last winter, when the market is really strong and it's very little ships, but a lot of demand. Um, the disponent owner of a ship can ask for three way structure. Mm. So you do a 15 day voyage, technically on the ship carrying the gas, but you will pay for, say, 45 days at a super yeah. high rate environment.
0: Okay. You're okay.
1: So yes, you see, I so, on, so, so it's like, um, you know, on a contract where you discuss on, you can discuss on the rates, flats, or you can discuss on this structure, you know, positioning fee, ballast mm. bonus uh, and others.
0: So I want to ask you another question. Um, is, is the location of the vessel very important uh, when you consider a time charter contract?
1: Um, of course, the, the, the vessel has to make a certain laycan and has to make a certain discharge. And more often than not, <clears throat> the vessel shown because it's a disponent owner, the guy showing the vessel to, to guy offering a vessel will need the vessel back for another cargo themselves at a certain date, called a backstop. So the location of the vessel is extremely important, of course. But as I mentioned with these structures, the balance bonus positioning fee. So for example, you say US Gulf Europe back to US Gulf. The ship doesn't have to go back to the US Gulf. She mm. have to pay the equivalent rates. As if you did so you can do anything you want after the discharge of the ship uh just a contractual uh structure that way i guess
0: okay okay very interesting okay i didn't know about it and uh you know you 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 say you work with the charter uh, charter team uh chartering team uh what about selling and uh, buying and selling ships is it a part of ship broking uh, because you have chartering part and I sh- imagine you have uh, as well uh, the pur- sh- purchase mm-hmm. of, of ships. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, so it,
1: here in this company, broking covers everything. It's it's crazy. Like sometimes even top ships are being brokered, if you want to know. Uh, so so we cover all sorts of transactions from new buildings and, and sales and purchase. Um so what the brokers so I haven't got much exposure to this, but from what I know, um, the sell and purchase, uh, brokering side, what they do and the service they provide, first of all, which is uh, extremely important is that they price your ship. Mm. So evaluation. say it's, it's an evaluation. Mm. So, and if you want to price your ship secondhand, you go to brokering shops or you go to multiple brokering shop and you do the average, uh, and, and, and you start from there and then, then it's a bit like chartering, you know, you, you're mm. trying to, to reach out to the right people and come up with a coherent plan as to, let's say, why, uh, why you should buy the ship or why you should sell the ship or, and at what price and does it make sense? And is the price going to go up? Is it going to go down? Is it the right timing? Mm. Uh, so, so yeah, uh, we, we definitely do that. Okay. On the, so, on the Ellen actually, well, yeah. Uh, on the LNG side, the S&P market has been growing quite a bit. It used to be completely dead. Mm. Uh, but the smaller and older ships, uh, especially for the 138,000 cubes to 150,000 cubes, there's a bit of demand for it. There's a bit of demand. Okay. So we're seeing slowly and surely uh, some transaction on that end.
0: Okay. So S&P on the... Because when you start uh, your journey as a shipbroker, do you have to specialize on one kind of practice? it's like s n p or chartering, or you can uh, both are like part of your job i mean it depends on the
1: structure and the company really um i uh, on our desk, for example, we can do some s and p but maybe in other desks or in other companies it's a clear separation. Uh, where you do chart. Sometimes you could do chartering short term. This guy does chartering long term. This mm-hmm. guy is just S and P, and you really specialize. So you can go into one specialization in different sector, or two client base. Oh, so okay. let's say your client wants to build a ship, you do the new building. If he wants to sell the ships, you do the sell the purchase. If you want to charter, you do the charter. It's a different structure uh to to look into.
0: Okay. i uh, imagine when you start. Uh, in, the, in the streets maybe better the chartering part because s I think you need a big uh, net, network uh, database. Exactly. On, yeah. Mm. Exactly.
1: But you know, obviously, if you work for a broking firm, they have a lot of uh, a lot of expertise, uh, a lot of support. You know. So what you can have is you find a ship for sale, and you send it to the other team and it does it all for you, but you still liaise between your counterpart and the s team. Okay. Uh, so there's always a lot of resources within within broken companies. Each one of them, you can find expertise in any any sort of sector here, which is okay. which is good.
0: Okay, very interesting. And uh, what about the different uh, type of shipbrokers? So we have uh, the dry bull, tanker, uh, uh, for you it's LNG. What are the differences, uh, if you know?
1: Now, yeah, of course, I mean, each sort of sector is different, right? Each sector goes through their own cycles and have a different uh, fleet outlook. Uh, so it's they would be doing similar things as I'm doing, but maybe under different contracts, for example, Voyage uh, uh, charters and others, or maybe they'll be split in different ship sizes Mm. In dry bulk or tankers, you can specialize in, in Panamax or uh, VL, VLCCs. So you have brokers who specialize in one ship size within one sector because the sector is so big. Uh, there's enough liquidity to be able to s- sort of separate the brokers in that way. Um, but for us, I mean, the, the market is, is very slowly. It's not that many ships running in the energy market. So we just do all, all ships ship types really
0: okay okay yes yes makes sense but Klaarsson you have very big companies you have the the, the abilities to make like to not be specific but uh, have access to the entire market and um, now I want to ask you this question regarding uh, the qualifications to become shipbrokers what kind of abilities you need to be a a good shipbroker
1: so
0: I mean, to be fair, uh, I think
1: shipbroking is the best way to, to get into the, the, the shipping world. And uh, what you need is like, first of all, obviously, if you want to start, you'll have to do the juniors work, which is a lot of Excel, data entry, data treatment and whatnot. So I think so, uh, basic IT skills or at least eager to learn on that front uh, would be good slash necessary. Otherwise, yeah, you have social skills, uh, because, you know, you're, you'll, you chat with clients. And if the client doesn't get on with you or at least get on with you at best, like you, uh, they had, they no obligation to pick up the phone with you. Mm. You know, so you need to have some social skills and, and try to reach out to these guys <clears throat> and also like soft skills in a way, be very strategic in the way you approach. Uh, an opportunity a deal um, and communication is is key uh, and you have to be able to package information and understand how to react to certain um, situations and finally, I think uh, I don't know if everybody agrees with that, but creativity I believe is super important because mm. creativity and if you because you what you really do is try to find what your clients' needs are and Find a creative solution to act, fill that need. And the more creative you are, the more value you will add to your clients, you know. So I think creativity is what will make the cut, you know. Okay. Okay. Um, but yeah, I think that's, I think it's very accessible to everyone and everyone will have their own, uh, style of broking. Um, but yeah, I think just eager to learn, uh, have some basic IT skills, uh, understand Macroeconomics as well, because you understand, you need to understand, um, uh, what drives the demand for the commodity on which your ship is lifting. Mm. You know what I mean? On, on you know,
0: yes. uh, you, so ne- if, you, you need to monitor the market on, uh, I mean, uh, in the macroeconomic shi- side.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Sh- shipping is a derived demand. You see, if it's upon the gas market, if it gets super cold in Europe, you know, the uh, gas for heating, the demand for gas for heating will go up, and the, the need for gas will increase, and therefore the need for shipping will increase. So it's always derived uh, to the nth degree sometimes. Uh, but you need to really have a good grasp of this and understand also a bit of geopolitics. Like you need to understand what a black swan event, uh, mm. how can a black swan event affect the freight market you're dealing with. Because your clients are going to ask you, for example, in the energy market, we had these Australian strikes, uh, union strikes for some of the, the biggest LNG export terminals with Chevron. And they were threatening to completely shut down these facilities, which would mean approximately 10% of the world's LNG export would be off the market. Mm. And you're like, okay, what does that mean for shipping? What does that mean for the Atlantic market? What does it mean for the long-term market? What do you, do you advise your, your your clients to to do a deal now or to wait? Uh, do you expect the rates to rise or not to rise, depending if it happens or not? And so yeah, you need to have some sort of understanding on that front, which would help. Um, so yeah, I think I think that's that. But I, I, I say it's it's pretty accessible for sure. Thank you.
0: Okay, very, very good to know. Uh, I, I want to ask you now, discussion is not on the list, but I want, what is the specificity of the LNG market? So, if you want to, so for young ship brokers, I want to specialize on, on LNG. What should I know? What should you know if you want to specialize
1: in the LNG market? I think you need to understand uh, the sort of basic macro of the gas market, what drives the, the mm. gas market. You need to understand the flows. Uh, of the LNG trade. where are the sources, where's the demand? You need to understand the seasonality of it all. Mm-hmm. For example, most of the demand for gas is in the Northern atmosphere. And so usually most winters, the demand for gas goes up in general. Uh, and <clears throat> finally, as for all ship type you wanna go into, you need to understand the shipping economics. Shipping economics: You have the new building, you have the freight environment, you have the S&P and the demolition. Mm. So to understand, for example, uh, what percentage of the current fleets is in the order book? When is it going to come on the market? Is it matched by a certain demand? You know, and if not, do we expect, say? 2027 to be longer on ships or and then 2028 to be shorter on ships, uh, which will drive is, is basically the main idea that dr- behind the freight, uh, freight environment for that year. So have like a, a very basic understanding of shipping economics, uh, al- alongside with the gas economics and be sociable and have a lot of soft skills. And creative, and then you're good to go. I don't know if I <laughs> probably said too many requirements. Uh,
0: there's a lot of ends and ifs and <laughs> it's like a recipe. You want to cook, so you had these ingredients. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. No, okay, but all, all of
1: this, look, all of this is 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 learnt on the job. You know, it's just one of those things. You can have a basic idea, but you really get the hang of it on the job at the desk. Mm. So either field. way, if
0: you, if you're keen to learn, if you're interested, you'll get there. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Um, uh, what looks your day? Day in the, uh, P, day, day in the life of Pierre. What is, what is it? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I'll tell you one of the perks of this job is that, uh, that every day can be very, very different. Um, but just to get a idea. When you start in the morning, you have a team in Singapore. They would mm. gather a lot of information, uh, on the market and you're supposed to treat the information, digest it, uh, do some, uh, data input treatments, uh, on Excel, uh, and, and try to wrap your heads of what's happened overnight in the market. Um, and then, yeah, I personally have still have to do quite a lot of, of, of Excel work with, Updating list of ships, uh, updating uh, uh, sort of uh, rates assessments, uh, analysis on, let's say, the floating plays or, or the east-west arbitrage. These are all things that are drivers of the market that we track in order to understand where the market could be. Are the ships going to go to Europe? Are they going to go to Asia? Or are the ships going to come to Europe, float mm-hmm. for a month and then discharge it? All based on the, the forward curve of the gas price. Uh, so these are all things that I, I would I would be dealing with in the morning, and then I'd be uh, getting on the phone and, and discussing uh, with my clients where they see the market, discussing uh, of deals that have happened in the market and their needs. And more often than not, you have a deal cooking, or a couple mm. of deals ongoing discussions. You need to update and and see where it's going, draft some terms and and whatnot. So so this usually usually the uh, the day in the life, as they say. Um, but another thing I want to mention is like gathering information, uh, which is extremely important. It's, it's a market where if X does a deal with Y, it's not going to tell anyone, you know, mm-hmm. it's not publicized. It's not published. Sorry. Um, mm-hmm. so as a broker, you're supposed to know more than your client. You're supposed to, to really have a feel of where the market is going, of what's going on. So, you're supposed to know uh, how much can I get a ship for, for one year, for six months, in two months' time for spot, etc. So you, you need to get this information where people see the market, how, how much people are ready to pay, how much are people ready to offer. And to get this information uh, is not easy because people are not going to tell you. Okay. You know, and, and so you have you need to find a way. You have rumors of someone looking for ship. Uh, you have rumors. This one is ready to pay this much. You have rumors that this guy did a deal at this much, uh, and it's by gathering this information where you can really create value to your clients. Because mm. why why does a client need the broker to do a deal? That's,
0: that's I mean, the
1: <laughs> So, for example, like okay, uh, I need a ship uh, in October. Uh, okay, I've got this guy showing me a ship questions you ask yourself. Why is this guy showing me a shit? Is he desperate? Does he have other options? What are the other options, if so, are ready to pay? You know, is this guy firm? Does he want to drag on this deal with me? Uh, or does he want to use my number to leverage himself with, um, with another counterpart? You know, you've got between each offer and bid, there's a whole story behind. That Mm -hmm. when you get the whole picture, you can really add some value. You can see how far down you can drag this guy, or you can see if he's super desperate, or you can see what other options are there, or you can see if the market is falling. So if you wait a week, maybe I'll get a better rate. So I think this is this is really where the broker adds value, and this is done via the information we extract from the market.
0: Okay, the interesting is like real estate agent. I mean all intermediate jobs you need to add value because yeah that's, that's exactly that's because this yeah. we, we you know the, these guys don't need
1: to to call us up technically
0: yeah that's true that's true <laughs> but uh, yeah that that's thanks to the add value you bring on oh are you i don't know if, if because discussion depend of uh, each uh, people, but when you need to find new customer, uh, I mean, cold customer, people you don't know, uh, is it like a easy process, or you you can use the the company brand, of, or it works? Well, so
1: you see, for example, when you start, so I'll, I'll put it that way. In my market, it's a very small market. Everybody knows each other, it's almost oh. like a little sect. Mm. Uh, so LNG players, you need is. Quite capital intensive. Not everybody can get into that market. So we know all the players are there. You know, they all have their characters. They all have their needs and and, and etc. Um, so when you when you start, your colleagues will know everyone. Everybody knows everyone. Mm. But you still have to make to build your client base. You know, and, and that's a bit of a challenge. Um, it's not cold calling. Because you know about the guy and you can introduce yeah. yourself, you're the colleague of X, uh, I know this guy, you have uh, ten people in common, you know, et cetera, but it's like why would this guy choose you as a broker? imagine you you call this guy up, he's got five other broker he or she has got five of the brokers to speak with. Why do you speak to another guy? you know why you are you not wasting my time yeah. another another situation this guy has gonna he's been using the same broker for five years. You know, five years, he or she trusts him with his life. He's done great deals for, or her. Why pick up the phone to you? You know, what added value can you get or can you give? Uh, so this can be a bit, a bit of a, a, bit of a challenge. Uh, and you can call it cold calling when it's at first, mm. but the thing is that it's not really because you 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 know the person and they know you indirectly. So you need to bring um, value again. To add value. I know add value is like, doesn't know what it means here, but they say it all the time. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, it's adding value. It's so, so vague, but no, you, you need to bring something interesting on the table. Mm. You need to know something that no one else knows that can really help him decipher what is going on on the market or what opportunity can he get? So this mm. is how you catch the attention of your clients. And mm. if you. Keep providing this information. He's going to come reliant on you for information. And then you can really start a trust process when it's going to slowly, uh, yeah, give you business in the sense of like, yeah, try to find me a ship or I've got this requirement, uh, and, and I, I give it to you. You sort it out. Um, so it, it's, it's quite a long process and it's, it's not, uh, there's, there's no straight answers to how you do it. It's each his own. It's a very, personal style uh sort sort of job uh which can be one of the one of the challenges to be honest
0: very interesting i want to ask you two last questions um the 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 other question which is uh when you want to start to work as shipbroker what kind of um how can i say opportunities you opportunities you can have i've seen you have junior uh shipbroker you have trainership these kind of things what what advice can you give to someone who, after studies, who say, I, I want to become a shipbroker but I don't know how to, how to make it? So, look, I mean, so do, do you want me to, how to access
1: that job? Yeah, how or... to access that Yeah. Mm. Well, look, uh, I got a friend of mine uh, that did not know anything about shipping, and I sold him the idea and the industry and it was like, oh, I'm so keen to go and do it. And what I told him to do, uh, is to just get on LinkedIn, uh, and try to chat to people, try to get a phone call, try to get a coffee with the guy, try to get a beer maybe, and really keep chatting to this guy, ask questions. I'm interested. Can you talk to me about your position? Uh, and you're going to sort of chat to a lot of different types of brokers from different companies. And when you're gonna get uh your own network, next time you go meet one of the brokers and you're like, oh yeah, I've chatted to this guy who works at this company, he's saying this, he's saying that, and you're gonna be slowly in it, so in a network, and they're gonna be like, Okay, you know, this guy knows industry, knows a lot of people. Yeah. And thereafter, literally the job will unveil itself to you. They were like, oh, yeah, I heard this company was looking for a junior broker. I can give you this guy's email. He can get you in an interview, no problem. So that's exactly what happened to my friend. Uh, it took him a month and a half. He's now working at a competitor in Dry. He's doing exceptionally well, but was better than me in such a sort of short time. Uh, so, so, so it's, uh, it's, um, it's, it's, it's that easy, you know, it's, it's, um, it's really try to, to get hold of people. It's, it's a, it's a very sociable job. job Everybody yeah. knows each other, so you yeah. just got to speak to them and, and and see see where it gets you.
0: But uh, yeah, and
1: once yeah, tell me. No,
0: go right. ahead, go ahead.
1: But once once you're in there, uh, you will start by doing some Excel work. They won't really trust you with clients first because or with good clients because you really have one shot at it, you know, like. Yeah. Call the guy up. If you don't feel the connection, if the guy's like, I don't know about this guy, like it's, it's a no go. So really want to prep up before having interface chats. And it can be quite high level as well. If you don't want to, you know, send a guy speaking to clients without him knowing much about it. Although that depends on the market. That's in the LNG anyways. Um, and thereafter, you get the trust of your, your colleagues, bosses, and they're going to introduce you to some of the clients and, and get that, get that going. And where the uh, direction goes internally for you, career wise, um, is that, you know, you, you get better and better clients, more and more deals. You focus on the more long-term stuff. So much bigger deals. You can go into <laughs> new building even, which, which is super interesting. So you can do that. Or if you want to get a foot in the shipping industry, uh, as a broker, i tell you, um, you have your bang in the middle between the supply and the demand of ships. You know the whole market. You get really to understand what's the behavior of a charter, what's the behavior of an owner, how the process and contractual process works. With these skills, you can be a reasonably attractive candidate to jump to other different sides of shipping, mm. you know? Um yeah you know, to ship owner, to charge, etc. etc. Uh mm. so so you know if you if you're unsure, yeah, you know, do ship shipworking and then uh, see see where it gets you.
0: Very powerful ah. advice you gave because you know uh, yeah. uh LinkedIn... yeah. <laughs> for yourself maybe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I will delete this part and keep it for me. <laughs> but LinkedIn is so powerful, I mean uh, yeah, it's very powerful. And um, yeah, all the jobs I had in the past is thanks to LinkedIn. I mean, exactly how you describe it. Uh, last question. Can you uh, describe a little anecdote you had in your life or in, in like a journey in shipbroking Well, I wouldn't say a little <clears throat>
1: anecdote, but what I, I found crazy is that the, the real idea of, of the, the community you know, you have each Christmas, you have lunches, each broker house, organized lunch. Uh, and uh, each summer, you have a summer party. Each year, you have, uh, I'm talking about the energy market here, you have a conference called GasTech. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you meet all the market players, all of them, you know, six or seven times a year, all together. And you go out, you have meetings or you go out for dinner. You can uh, go out to parties together. And sometimes you can make quite good friends with your clients at all. Mm. Uh, and so that's what I, I found fascinating is that you really put in this small community where everybody knows each other. There's some drama. There's like, and, and so it's, it's, it's really quite funny to, to get involved. Um, so, so yeah, that, that's something I did, I did not expect or the extent of it. I did not expect for sure. Wow. Um, So yeah, I mean, yeah, that's the place to be. (laughs) I get. Yeah, (laughs) I'm trying to convince you to join. By the
0: way, (laughs) if you haven't,
1: hadn't realized by now.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, and very interesting. Very interesting.
1: But but again, you know, like I mean, some in industry may say I've I've overthought this whole broking process. Some may say I've I've only scratched the surface. Uh, but that's because, you know, it's, it's really each to their own style, the way they see it. It's mm. quite reflective of it, right? Um, but it's, uh, it's, it's a good industry to, to, to get into for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm completely agree with that. Uh, thank you, Pierre. You bring many value on this, po- in, on this podcast. Ah. <laughs> beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. It's always a place sure. for you here
1: in <laughs> Yeah. Thank you again. Or oh your podcast takes off and, uh, you know, shipbroking is not needed any longer.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I have many interviews with shipbrokers still, with different. Uh, yeah. I have tank, Tanker uh, in the tanker side. Um, what else? Uh, more like normal market, like dry bulk. I have. Uh, so I have uh, yeah for, on different places in the world. Dubai, uh, I have Oslo as well. People in Oslo very interesting.
1: No, that that be good then. That would be good because it's, it's it's same but but different. <laughs> you yeah. see what yeah, I yeah, mean? you see those similarities. Own. No, but within sectors, it's a lot of similarities. But if you go to the depth of it, it's actually yeah, it's, it's, it's a completely different yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah, um, sure. and nice one. Well, you know, Pauloui, I wish you all the best with this with this podcast. And uh I wish I, I had that when I was learning or trying to find a job because it's very, very useful. So, um, yeah, you. all the best to you, Pauloui.
0: Thank you. Same. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. Thank you for listening and watching this episode. We are looking forward to bring you more inspiring stories from maritime professionals, experts and students. Do not hesitate to leave a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Your support means a lot to us and it greatly helps in our continuous growth. We committed to bringing you more exciting episodes with passionate guests.